Well, good morning, church. How are we feeling today? Good, good. Great to have you here with us today. My name is Matt Mizell, and today we are continuing on in our series called All In, and I can't think of a better way to continue on in this series than to celebrate with many families and parents who are dedicating their children back to the Lord. So that being said, will you give a warm welcome and round of applause for all of our parents and the kids coming up on stage that are dedicating their kids? Bottles in tow and everything. So cute. Now, as they're coming up on stage, let me, let me give you a little bit of an explanation as far as why we're doing what we're doing. You're going to have to keep walking down. We've got a lot of people to, to fit on the stage. There you go. Keep going. Um, let me explain what we're doing. On, on Jesus' 40th day, when he was just 40 years old, his parents, Mary and Joseph, brought him back to the temple to dedicate him back to the Lord. Now, it was years after that that Jesus made his own decision and declaration saying, I want to get baptized in front of all these different people by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. Those are two significant dates in the history of Jesus, both of which are recorded in Scripture, but there's a difference between the two of them. In the first one, in the dedication, Mary and Joseph made that call. They, they, they made the decision to dedicate their child. It wasn't just tradition. They wanted to lead their child in a way that was honoring to God the Father. Now, later on, when Jesus made the decision to get baptized, that was all, that was all him. That was his decision to do that. And so, when you read through Scripture, nowhere in the Bible doesn't say anything about kids or babies being baptized. They're always dedicated back to the Lord, which is exactly what we're doing today. So today, we are going to be celebrating with these, these families. In fact, I got my, my little iPad right behind you. I'm going to grab this so I can, woo, so I can not trip and fall. But let me introduce to you who we have up here on stage and who is dedicating who this morning. First, starting closest to me, I'm going to try not to talk too loud because I don't want babies to cry and, and hate me, but uh, parents Vaughn and Christy. Vaughn is our youth pastor here at Pinion Hills Community Church. Vaughn and Christy are dedicating their son, Zion J. Craver. Look at that picture. He's half Superman. Must have got that from mom. <laughs> Moving on down the line, we have parents Cameron and Brandy dedicating their daughter, Taylor Lynn Collier. Love the pigtails. Continuing to move down, we have mother Ashley Hogan dedicating her son, William Lee Garcia. William likes the balloon festival, I suppose. <laughs> Continuing to move down, we have parents Jason and Jocelyn dedicating their son, Jason Luis Vasquez Jr. He's so chill, look at that, that's awesome. Little GQ up there. Then we have parents Travis and Toby dedicating their son, Miles Lee Waller. I'm glad he's wearing the diaper. <laughs> Thanks for not having a naked kid on the screen. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you for that diaper. Uh, continuing to move on, we have parents Sheldon and Jennifer dedicating their son, Jackson Levi Cowboy. <laughs> Hug mummy. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Uh, then we have Caitlin Gonzalez dedicating her son, Aiden Xavier Gonzalez. And last but certainly not least, we have parents Elijah and Cassandra dedicating their daughter, Dinah Eliza Nez. That's her motorcycle, too. 
Now, I've asked a couple of the board members to come up on stage as well because, parents, we have a gift for you. And the gift that we're going to be giving to you, each of uh, these board members are going to come out and, and deliver a jar of pennies to you. Now, now, caution, this jar of pennies is heavy because it has 936 pennies in each jar. Now, you might be wondering, what's the significance between nine, about, about 936 pennies? What's the meaning behind that? Well, each one of those pennies represents one week of your child's life as they, as they go through and grow into adulthood. If you multiply 52 weeks in a year times 18, it comes out to the number of 936. So here is the challenge, parents, if you're willing to accept it. What I'm asking you to do is go home today and pull out one penny for every week that your child has been with you since they've been born and put those pennies in another jar, put them in another bowl, and then from every week after that, after you come home from church, go home, maybe have lunch together as a family, but start a new tradition in your family and take one penny out for every week of your child's life and put it in another jar, put it in another bowl, because it's going to give you a visual reminder that every moment counts. Every day counts. You have the opportunity to invest in your child, and children are a gift from the Lord. So I don't want you to miss this and, and have it pass you by. Look at what uh, Paul says to the church in Ephesus. He challenges us with this. Ephesians 5.15, he says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Parents, I want to challenge you to make the most of every single opportunity. Every day, every week, every month. It goes by really, really quickly. Many of you already know that. It goes by fast, but make the most of every opportunity. Look at what David says in Psalm 90, verse 12. He says to God, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. These pennies in this jar will do just that. Teach you to number your days and help you appreciate and value every moment that you have with your kid. Your child is a gift, and may we lead them and guide them and shepherd them in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. So that being said, parents, I have a, a charge to issue to you. I have three statements, and I'm going to issue you with these three statements as far as your willingness to parent in a way that is honoring to the Lord. And if you agree with these three statements, I'm going to ask that you respond after these three statements by saying the two words, I will. Here's my challenge should you choose to accept this charge. Parents. Do you agree to not provoke your children, but instead raise them based on biblical principles that are pleasing to the Lord? Number two, do you agree to take full responsibility for your children, tending to their basic needs until such a time that they are ready to be apart from you? And number three, do you agree to shepherd and to nurture your children by extending to them both patience and discipline so as to train them in the way they should go? And if you agree, say, I will. I will. Congregation and extended family members, I have a charge to issue to you as well. I'm going to give you three statements, and if you agree to these statements, I would ask that you respond by saying the two words, I will. Relatives and church family, do you agree to assist these parents in the upbringing of, of uh, each one of these children in godly manners? And number two, do you agree to show these families what it means to be godly based on your personal example? And number three, do you agree to offer your support to either the parents or the ch children on stage if they have any times of need in the future? And if you agree, will you say, I will? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each one of these parents. 
I thank you for each one of these families represented on stage, and I especially thank you for each one of these kids. God, what a privilege it is to, that we are able to, to grow children, that you give us these gifts in these children, and that you trust us to grow them in a way that is pleasing and honoring to you. God, I pray for each one of these, these, uh, these kids that are on stage, that no weapon formed against them will ever prosper, that you would protect them, that you would shepherd them, that you would nurture them, that you would provide for their needs as you provide for their families at the same time. God, I pray at a very early age that they choose to follow after you, not based on just what mom and dad want for them, but that they have their own faith and that they choose to follow after you and be a fully, wholeheartedly devoted person and accepting Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. God, I thank you for each one of these children. I, I pray spe a special blessing over the parents. God, I know there's going to be moments where they want to throw in the towel and they're frustrated, they're angry. God, be with them in those moments. When they feel like they have no patience left, give them patience. When they feel like they have no strength left, give them strength. When they feel like they don't know what to do in a scenario raising their children, give them wisdom that surpasses understanding. God, will you be with them, walk with them, guide them, lead them, shepherd them as they learn to cherish every moment that you have given to them with these kids. God, I specifically thank you for every one of these children on stage, for Zion Jay, for Taylor Lynn, for William Lee, for Jason Lewis, for Miles Lee, for Jackson Levi, for Aiden Xavier, and for Dinah Eliza, God, we say thank you. We dedicate each one of these children back to you, and we commit to leading them and guiding them in a way that is honoring and pleasing to you. And we say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give them one more round of applause as they go that way. You can go that way. Unless you want to have your kids stay on stage, and that's cool. I'll, I'll hang out with them on stage for the rest of our time as well. Uh, today is an exciting day, not just because we have baby dedications and because we have veterans that we're celebrating, but as we've already talked about tonight, we are having our one church night of worship at McGee Park. Doors open at 530. It's going to start at 6 p.m. I would love for every one of you to be there because we are making an announcement as far as what the next one church initiative is in, is in 2020, so I'm excited to announce that as of tonight. But if you haven't already seen our promo video, Check out this video for One Church. On the evening of Sunday, November 10th, 2019, we are joining together as One Church for our second annual night of worship. Not only can you expect a powerful night of prayer, praise, and worship, but we're also excited to reveal insider information about opportunities for us to unite and collaborate in 2020. The night of worship won't be live streamed this year because we want you there in person. So mark your calendar right now for Sunday, November 10th, 2019 at the Convention Center at McGee Park. Doors open at 5.30 and the service starts at 6, but get there early because trust me, you're not going to want to miss a single moment. We are one body. We are one voice. We are, we are, we are one church. So like I said, that is tonight. No more waiting. It's tonight, McGee Park at 6 o'clock. So hopefully you can make it. Now, right now, we are jumping back into our series of All In. This is what we started talking about last week. We have the decision in our relationship with God to be all in or all out. We, we can't be one foot in, one foot out. We can't be in the middle. We can't be lukewarm, which is what Jesus said in Revelation 3 to the church. Here's what he said. He said, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to make Jesus throw up. 
<laughs> I don't want him to spit me out of my mouth because I'm riding the fence. I got one foot in, one foot out. He says, be all in or be all out. You make your choice. Now, to be honest with you, sometimes it's better to be all in in scenarios in life. Sometimes it's better to be all out in some scenarios in life. Let me give you an example of being all in and how that's better. A couple weeks ago, I went up to Durango Mountain Resort. I'd never been up there before to see their roller coaster, but they have a roller coaster called the Inferno Mountain Roller Coaster. Here's a picture of it. Looks kind of crazy. I think that guy in the picture is busting a jugular in his neck. He's excited. Anyway, so I go up there with a couple of friends, and, and we're about to ride this Inferno Mountain Roller Coaster, and I wasn't too fearful or nervous about it because I had heard that it goes a max speed of 25 miles an hour as you wind your way down the mountain. I'm like, 25 miles an hour? I could run faster than that, right? And so I'm not too concerned. I'm not too worried about it. In addition to that, I've been told that it's got a braking system. When you sit in the little cart, you can push forward and go faster, or you can pull up, and it will slow you down. So I wasn't too nervous. I wasn't too concerned. I got into this little cart when it was my turn, uh, and you can't you go, go one person at a time, one adult at a time, unless you have a little kid that comes with you. But I sit down, because it's just me on this little cart. I sit down, and, and I'm not nervous, I'm not anxious, I'm ready to go, until I, I start going like, you know, where's my shoulder straps? Where's the thing that straps me in? And the guy running the, the ride, he's like, there is no shoulder strap. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. He's like, there's just a little lap belt. You have a little seat belt, like a car seat belt. So I, I pull it on, on, on over and it clicks. But oftentimes when I go on a roller coaster, there's like a child protection lock or something. So you don't accidentally unlock it. But I'm like, is there any way that like, it's going to prevent me from accidentally pushing it? I push the button. It goes right back. And I'm like, oh, no. I, I could totally push that by accident and fly off of this thing in the middle of the ride. So I, I plug it back in. I, I pull on it, make sure it's tight, it's good, connected. I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm back to being not nervous or or concerned about my life. So I start taking off. So much to the point I wasn't nervous that I pull out my phone and I start recording a video as I start going up the mountain. I figured, you know, why not? I don't know if it's against the rules or not, but I didn't bother to read the rules. So I'm going to make a little bit of a video. Here's part of that video. Check it out. On this roller coaster, Durango Mountain Resort Purgatory. I'm going up. Yippee ki yay. Now that's where I stopped recording the video. Now I was climbing clickety 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 going up to the top of the mountain, climbing, getting higher and higher and higher, and I was totally fine up until right before it starts going down. Now here's what changed my perspective right before I started going down. I saw a big sign at the very top of the mountain that says, do not come within 80 feet of the person in front of you. And it got me thinking. I was like, well, I'm I'm not concerned that I'm going to come within 80 feet of the person in front of me, but what about these crazies behind me? Like, what about these friends that I came with, like Evil Knievel back here? What if I'm breaking it all, and he's like, Woo! I'm going to go as fast as I possibly can. If I'm breaking, what if he catches up, and he, boom, nails me from behind and knocks my cart off this track, or I've got this little pansy seatbelt holding me in? What if it, what if it makes me, th throws me out of this, of this little cart on the roller coaster? So I was like, I can't have that. I don't know how oftentimes people, like, get nailed from the car behind them, but there's a sign that says, don't come within 80 feet. And that got me thinking, I don't want that to happen. So when I got to the top, I, I had planned on breaking, but I was like, I can't break. I can't run that risk. So I pushed it all the way down to go as fast as I possibly can go. Now it says that it doesn't go more than 25 miles an hour. And I don't know if I went faster than 25 miles an hour or not. I don't know if they greased the skids for me or what, but it felt like I was going to like 60 miles an hour. And I was like, Whoa! 
I'm like trying to check behind me, make sure there's nobody coming. I get all the way down to the bottom. Obviously, I live to tell the story. Get all the way down to the bottom. And that guy behind me, well, he was like 120 feet behind me. He wasn't even close to me. And in addition to that, I also found out that there's sensors in each one of the carts. So if you do get close, it actually breaks the car behind you. So they can't even, they can't even come and hit you from behind. I didn't know that, though. I was flipping out in my mind. This is an example of a time that you, you want to be all in. You don't want to have your, your arms and your legs. That's why they always tell you, keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times. You want to keep your arms and legs inside. That's an example. You don't want to fly off the track. You don't want to fly out of your seatbelt. I would add it to your bucket list if you haven't done that already. That's an example of being all in. Now, there's other times that perhaps you want to be all out. I was watching a video recently on the internet. There's a guy that was doing a, like a news a, a interview or a report, and he was in his home office, and I could tell he's in his home office because of what happened d- during his live news report. Check out this video. Scandals happen all the time. The question is, how do democracies respond to those scandals? Uh, and what will it mean for, uh, for the wider region? I think one of your children has just walked in. I mean, shift, shifting, shifting sands in the region, do you think relations with the North may change? Um, I would be surprised if they do. The, um, pardon me. My apologies. <laughs> What is this going to be for the region? My apologies. North, uh, sorry. Um, North Korea, North, uh, South Korea's policy choices on North Korea have been severely limited in the last six months to a year. So funny. The guy handled it totally well. Like, yeah, I would have been like, get out, kids, all of you, all out right now. I, I like the end part where she's like, that woman's reaching over and closing the door. <laughs> you never saw anything. <laughs> so funny. So, so sometimes there's scenarios in our life where, where we need to be all in. There's other times where we want people to be all out. But Jesus makes the point. He says, when it comes to a relationship with God, choose one or the other. Be all in, all out. Don't be riding the fence. Don't have one foot in, one foot out. Be all in or all out. But here's the thing when it comes to Jesus. He wants us to be all in. Even though he gives us the option, choose one or the other. I'd rather you be all in or all out. His desire is for us to be all in. Look at what he says in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He wants us to be all in for him. It kind of reminds me of when my wife and I found out we were pregnant with our first child. When we were pregnant, uh, got, got pregnant with our first kid, I was a youth pastor at a church in Albuquerque. My wife was a, a zookeeper at the Albuquerque Biopark. I have a couple pictures of her taking care of some of the animals, the kangaroos, alligators, and crocodiles, and monkeys, and chimpanzees, and, and giraffes, and all sorts of the sea lions, parrots, all sorts of different animals. And my wife loved her job as a zookeeper. Well, about three years into, into our marriage, and three years into her working at the, the zoo, one day I come home from work, and my dog runs up to me, and he's got a little note tied around his neck. And here's a picture of what that note said. It says, I'm going to be a good brother. Now, mind you, doctors had told us we wouldn't be able to have kids. So when I read this, the first thought was not that we were pregnant. The first thought was my wife brought home a gorilla from the zoo. <laughs> And so I'm like, babe, is there a gorilla in our midst? Is, is there like a pig that's going to run out somewhere? Like a spider monkey or something? What, do you, what is he going to be a big brother over? And so then she brings me this little pregnancy test. And it has a faint line on it that says it's positive. We didn't know if that was true or not. Because again, the doctor said we, we were one, one, less than 1% chance of being able to have kids. And so we went to the doctor, had all the tests done, the official tests. And sure enough, we were expecting our first child. Now, 
That being said, we had never thought about this before because we didn't think we could have kids. So for the first time, we had the question, we had the conversation, what does this mean now that we are going to have our own kid? Is Ashton going to leave her dream job at the zoo? I mean, she loved that job. She looked at those animals like her, her own kids, like her own pets. Is she going to leave her dream job? Am I going to stop being a youth pastor at the church that I'm at? What are we going to do? I've never had this discussion with her before. So I went to Ashton. I said, babe, what does this mean? We've never had this conversation. And she said, oh, there's no question. I'm quitting my job at the zoo because I want to be a stay-at-home mom. And I'll be honest with you. That's what I was hoping that she would say. Uh, but I didn't want to push that on her. I didn't want it to have the expectation of her leaving her dream career in, in, in exchange for her new dream career. I didn't know if that would be her dream career. But when she said, I'm, I'm quitting the zoo, I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom, that was secretly what I was hoping for her and for our family. I think that's a little bit similar to how Jesus looks at our relationship with him. He says, hey, you get the choice. Be all in, be all out. But secretly, I'm hoping that you choose to be all in. Secretly, I want you to be all in, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Now, if you do that, if you push all your chips in and say, God, I'm going to follow after you, I am all in, there's some perks that you get when you're all in for God. Look at what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, Luke 6, 43 through 45. Jesus says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying when you're all in, you're storing up good things in, in your heart. If you're all out, you're probably storing up bad things in your heart. But what you can't have is a divided heart. You can't have good things and bad things all cramming up in your heart. You've got to store up, make the intentional decision of storing up good things instead of bad things, which leads me to a question for you. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. What is stored up in your heart? What are you storing in? What are you putting in into your heart? It kind of reminds me of like a squirrel or a chipmunk in the fall that's like going around getting all the nuts, trying to store up for the winter time. What is it that you are putting inside your heart? And the reality is, we've got a lot of both, good and bad. You got a lot of options. You could take some of this bad, some of this good, some, some of this evil, some of this godliness. You could put into your heart whatever you want, but the scripture is talking about how we should store up good things in our heart. And part of the reason why we should store up good things instead of bad is because the good things are from God. Look at what James says in James 1.16. He says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good thing is from above. Why not store in your heart the things that God wants to give you, wants for your life? Why not store those things up into your, your heart and your life? If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Don't hold on to what God hasn't given you. God's not giving you bad things. He's not giving you evil things. So don't hold on to the things that, that might come into your life that aren't from him. If it's good, every good and perfect gift comes from God. So hold on to that. Store those things up into your life. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 9 through 11. He says, which of you, if a son asks for bread, will give him a stone instead? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus is making the point, God gives good gifts, not bad gifts. So again, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Store up good, that's directly from God. 
How do you store up the good things? He gives you good things. He gives us good gifts. Store up those things in your heart. Now, here's the problem. Here's the difficulty that you and I face. We live in a broken, lost, sinful world. And not everything that happens to us is good. Not everything we experience is great. It's not always unicorns and rainbows. Sometimes there's good days, but sometimes there's, there's tough days and difficult days. Yet despite the hard days, despite the most difficult days that you and I will ever face, we can still choose to see the good and the blessings in our circumstances. Which is why Paul says in Philippians 4.4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. Now this is sometimes difficult for people because they're like, well, how can I do that always? I understand rejoicing in the Lord when it's a good day, when circumstances are good. But when things are bad, how do I rejoice in the Lord always? Well, thankfully, Paul answers that question in the very next verse, Philippians 4, 5. It's because the Lord is where? Near. How do you rejoice in the Lord always? How do you do that? You do that because the Lord's right there with you. Friend, you might have had the worst week this week. You might have had a horrible week. Maybe you found out bad news this week. And while there is bad news, there is evil that exists in our world, there's still the silver lining. There's still something that's good. And what's good is that the Lord is near you even during these difficult times. You might have had a horrible week because you got bad news. Maybe you got a bad diagnosis. Maybe you've been given six months to live. That's bad news. But here's the good news. The Lord is right there with you. The Lord is near you. Maybe you got fired this week. Maybe you got laid off and and you're like, how am I going to put food on the table in two weeks for Thanksgiving? Here's the, the good news in that bad, tough situation. The Lord is near you. He is with you. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't forsake you. He's got your back. He's right there with you. Why not be all in with the God who says, why not? You're all in with me. I'm all in with you. And I'm right there with you during those times. Look at what David says about this subject in Psalm 23, one of the most popular chapters of the entire Bible. He says this. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack what? I lack nothing. Why do you lack nothing? Because God's got you. He's your shepherd. He's tending to your needs. He's walking with you in your life. David continues on, Psalm 23, 2. He says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. I love that phrase. He refreshes my soul. Sometimes our soul needs to be refreshed. It needs to be rejuvenated. My buddy Mike Foster says it this way. He says, Jesus is a grace-flavored snow cone on a hot, judgmental day. What a cool visual picture that is. How refreshing does that sound? Jesus is a grace-flavored snow cone on a hot, judgmental day. God wants to refresh your soul and refresh you from the inside out. David continues on, Psalm 23.3. He said, God guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. He doesn't lead you on the wrong path. He doesn't lead you with path towards evil. He leads you along the right path. And then David says this in Psalm 23.4, perhaps one of the best-known verses of the entire Bible. He says, even though I walk through the dark darkest valley. Some translations say it this way, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Say it with me. For you are with me. Even though we go through the hardest moments, the valley of the shadow of death, even we go through, we go through serious times of, of struggle and difficulty, even in those moments, God says, I'm right there with you. You see, so many times when, when things hit the fan, People oftentimes look at God, God, this is your fault. 
You're the reason, God. You could have stopped this. You could have prevented this, and you didn't. And he didn't cause the evil. He didn't, he didn't cause the badness in your life. He only gives good gifts, but he does allow people to have the freedom to follow after him or not, to choose good or evil. You get to pick. Sometimes people don't pick on following God. And sometimes the consequences that we have are results of other people's sin and their decisions, and that's sometimes the difficulties that we go through. Sometimes it's the result of other people's decisions. Sometimes it's our own. But regardless, we have a God who says, I am right there with you. So you can point the finger, you can blame, you can flip off God if you want to and say, this is all your fault. Or you can say, you know what, I'm going to hold on to the good instead of the bad. I'm going to, I'm going to see that there's a silver lining in this. Instead of focusing on the negative, I'm going, to, I'm going to focus on the fact that God is with me even in the darkest of my storms. We have a choice, friends. We have a choice. Hold on to the good or hold on to the bad. What's your choice? Two weeks ago, a guy named Kanye West came out with a brand new album called Jesus is Lord. And it was met with a lot of controversy, even within Christian circles. And a lot of Christians were like, oh, this is awesome. This is the greatest thing ever. Kanye West, look at his platform. Look at all the people that follow him. And so people are downloading the album. I mean, it's going crazy. It's going viral. Uh, there's, there's all sorts of people that are really, really, really excited about Kanye releasing a worship album. Now, some people are like, well, you know, he's sinned. He's got a history. He's got baggage. But everybody, everybody has sinned. Everybody has messed up. And so, so it's okay that he's now accepting Jesus. Now, now he's making a worship song. In fact, right after his album was released, Google's searches for Christianity and who is Jesus skyrocketed. People worldwide, millions of people are searching all about Jesus and Christianity because of this album that's released. So some Christians are like, well, this is awesome. See the good that's in this? Now there's a whole other set of Christians that are like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Kanye West releasing a worship album? No, 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 no. That, that guy's disqualified from being a Christian. There, there's no way he could be a Christian. Look at his rap, his rap seat. Look at his, his, his track record. Look at all the sins he's done. No, no, no. He's not good enough. He's not holy enough to create a worship album. You remember that, that award ceremony? He took the microphone from Taylor Swift and said, Beyonce deserves this award, not Taylor Swift. He can't. He can't make a worship album. And even in Christianity, Christians are divided. <laughs> and some people see the good and some people choose to see the bad. And we have a choice in life in every scenario. Do we focus on the good? Do we focus on the bad? And, and we live in a, a broken world where a lot of people are pessimists. A lot of people say, I'm going to complain about this and this and this and this. I'm going to focus and hone in on the negative. We've got a whole lot of negative we can focus on. Or we can say, you know what? I'm going to fill up my life. I'm going to fill up my heart with good things instead of bad. We have a choice. And even though you might be walking through a difficult time, you might be walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You might be walking through one of the most difficult experiences ever. You can focus on the negativity, or you can say, you know what, I'm going to fill up my heart with the good things. Because even in my darkest moments, I've got a God who cares for me, who loves me, who's right here near me during these moments. So friends, this is the choice. This is the choice that you and I have. If you want to be all in, with a God who says, I want you all in. That's my, my secret ambition for you. Be all in, be all out. Please don't be lukewarm. Be all in or all out. But, I, but I'm hoping you choose to be all in. And when you draw near to me, I draw near to you. And even in your darkest moments, I got you. I'm right there with you. Wrapping my arms around you saying, you're not alone in this. Look at what Paul says to the church of Philippi, Philippians 4.6. He says, do not be anxious about anything. 
In this world, in this day and age, that's a strong statement. There's a lot of things we can be anxious about, nervous about. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In every situation, notice he doesn't say in some situations, in the good situations, when things are going well for you. He says in every situation, you can have thanksgiving. Now how can you have thanksgiving in every scenario, every situation, whether it's good or it's bad? It's a matter of your heart. What are you holding on to? Are you holding up good things or bad things? Are you storing up good or are you storing up bad? When you're all in for God, he's all in for you and he says, I've I've got you. Here's my word. Here's my commitment. No matter what happens in any situation, I'm right there with you. And that is worth worshiping. And that is worth, worth thanking God for and giving thanksgiving no matter what your circumstances are. You are a whole lot better off being all in with God because no matter what happens, you can be thankful and grateful and offer thanksgiving in any scenario that you come across. So this morning, friends, we're, we're going to wrap up with one more worship song. And the worship song that Clarence is going to lead us in is called The Heart of Worship. This is an old school song, and, and perhaps you've heard it, perhaps you know the lyrics of this, but I really want you to focus in on these lyrics. Because as we sing this song together, it says, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's not about me. It's about you, God. It's about you and what you do. So when we draw near to you, when we're all in, and you're all in back, when you draw near to us, We have something to be thankful for, no matter what we're going through right now. So I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Sometimes I make church about me. Sometimes I make worship about my preferences. You know, sometimes people will come to a a one church night of worship like tonight at McGee Park. No, this is different than how I like. It's different than what I prefer. It's not about you. It's about God. So let's together come back to the heart of worship and give, give credit where credit is due. Let's give thanks. Let's express our gratitude. Let's express our thanksgiving to God because no matter what you go through, you've got a God who says, I am right there with you. The Lord is near. So will you please stand with me and join as we sing together as we come back.
that shouldn't be about us. God, I know that sometimes we go through difficult times. I know there's people going through hard times right now. God, may they draw near to you as you draw near to them. May they feel your peace that surpasses understanding. May they continue to rely on you instead of point the finger and blame. May they be thankful and grateful and store up in their heart the fact that they have a God who cares for them. God, we have so much to be grateful for and thankful for when it's about you instead of about us. So God, thank you for the blessings you've given to us. Thank you for the children that we've dedicated this morning. Thank you for the veterans that we're celebrating today. And thank you for the fact that we have a Lord and Savior that's right there with us no matter what we're going through. Father, we love you. We say thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.